So today we're going to continue in our sermon series on the book of First Thessalonians, and we'll look at the end of chapter 2 and into chapter 3 here as well. Uh, but before we dive into that, I just want to give a, a quick just reminder of, of how Paul got to this place. So the Apostle Paul and Silas, along with some others, they were, they were on this journey, right, to, to share the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere they went. And Paul and Silas found themselves in the city of Philippi, and they were proclaiming the good news of Jesus, and, and this led to them ending up in prison, to the point where they actually converted the jailkeeper in that prison. And that's a, a fun and exciting story I encourage you to go read. But after they got out of prison, they were then chased out of Philippi and then found themselves in the city of Thessalonica, right? This is the, the, the city that Paul is writing these letters to. And, and so Paul, when he got to this city, he again preached the good news, spoke about Jesus Christ, this Messiah that had to suffer and then rise from the dead. And once again, there was a lot of people, a lot of the Jews in the area who came around him and many believed and were converted. And that was a moment of celebration. But just, it seems almost as quickly as a lot of them converted, also a riot formed in the city coming around and, and again, pushing Paul and Silas out of the city, like just getting them out of the city. And so Paul finds himself in a position right now where he's got all of these new believers back in the city of Thessalonica and, and, and he cares for them. He cares deeply for them and he knows that they are facing opposition, the very opposition that forced him out of the city. And, and so Paul, I think, writes these words that we're gonna read today with this in mind, this idea that he's got new believers who are left behind and who are facing some serious opposition for the faith. And so we're gonna look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. But, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, are you our glory and joy? So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. And we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in the faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined to them, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, I could stand it no longer. I sensed to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you 
and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you have always, that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged by you because of your faith. For we now really live since we are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Amen. So here's my understanding of Paul's worldview. Paul knows that he is a sinner, right? He knows that he is a sinner who has experienced the grace of God. I mean, he spent the the beginning part of, of his mission actually persecuting the church, right? It was his goal in life to try to prevent this very message from spreading. And so he would seek out Christians and, and he would kill them in order to prevent the gospel message from moving on. And so Paul knows that history, right? He knows that he is a sinner. Well, then God appeared to him one day and opened his eyes, ironically, through blinding him for a few days first. But he opens his eyes. He, he appears before him. And, and in that moment, Paul now knows who Jesus is, right? He knows that Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and so Paul now actually changes his mission from rather than trying to prevent the gospel from spreading, he now wants to spread it as fast as he can. Right? He's got this new mission now. He wants to see other people know who Jesus is, know that, that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. And Paul, he knows that that might bring with it suffering. I mean, if, if you read through Acts, I mean, it is amazing the amount of suffering Paul experienced. I mean, I'm talking being beaten, I'm talking being thrown into prison, then being like things on shipwrecks, being s- stranded on islands, bitten by snakes, all sorts of different things. Paul has gone through all sorts of suffering. But for himself, he's like, I'm willing to do this. Right? He knows that his life is a living sacrifice, that he, he wants to just move the gospel message and he's willing to do whatever it takes. But I think it's harder for Paul even though he knows it's going to happen, it's harder for him to see others experience the same thing. And to Paul, as he is pushed out of the city of Thessalonica, right? He is, he is chased out of the city. He now looks back and he sees all of these young believers, these people who have just heard the name of Jesus for the first time and, and they've believed and, and he's excited for them and he knows that there's, there's gonna be so much happening in their life and yet they face incredible opposition. And this worries Paul, right? I I think it even brings him distress. 
He doesn't say it here, but I think he looks back and says, here are all these baby believers, right? They are crawling. They're not even walking yet. And they are facing incredible opposition. And so Paul is deeply disturbed, right? He, he sees what he's leaving behind and, and it worries him. He doesn't want them to, to run into the same troubles. He, he doesn't want their troubles that they face to take away their faith, right? He's worried that the trials that they face are going to cause them to become unsettled in their faith. Maybe there's even a part of them where he's, he's worried that they feel abandoned, right? That Paul came in, gave this amazing message, which I've been a Christian my whole life. There are still so many questions that I ask. Imagine being a brand new believer and, and then the person who told you is suddenly no longer there and, and is in a different place, right? The amount of questions that you have to ask in that moment. And so you can understand how they maybe even feel abandoned. And, and so this is what Paul is worried about. And so Paul desperately wants to re- return back to Thessalonica. He wants to re- go back there to, to encourage and, and support and strengthen their faith. But what makes it worse is that even as Paul has tried, in which he says, I've tried again and again, but Satan has blocked my way. Right? I think, I think that is a natural thing, that as, as we seek to advance the kingdom of God, as we seek to proclaim the good news of who Jesus is, that, that as hard as we push, the devil wants to stop us. The devil wants to stand in our way, wants to prevent us from, from moving that gospel message. And, and so Paul is speaking to the evidence of the spiritual warfare that is happening, right? That he, he is trying to get back to strengthen these new believers and, and yet Satan is blocking his way. Now we're not told specifically how this is happening to Paul. We're not told how uh, Satan is getting in his way, but just that it is happening. And so Paul finds himself in this moment of, of desperately wanting to go back to this church, back to these new believers so that he can, he can strengthen them and raise them in the faith, but he is being prevented from doing so. It reminds me of you know, the military approach, no man left behind. I mean, that, that's what it makes me think of, that Paul is just looking, he's like, I don't want these people to be left behind, right? I don't want them to just have to be in this battle alone. I want to go and be there to support them and encourage them and journey through it with them. Well, as I reflected on this passage here this week, I found myself asking a question. Do I care enough about new believers, about non-believers, or or for that matter, even lifelong believers? Do I care enough to be deeply disturbed when somebody is going through it alone? When somebody is trying to to walk through their spiritual life alone? And do I find myself in a position where I'm just like, I so do desperately want to get back to you so that I can help encourage you and support you in the faith. Now for Paul, his separation was physical. Right? He, was, he was pushed out of this city and so he could not be with them. But 
I'm not convinced that for us that that separation is always a physical one. Sometimes it, it might be our own fears and anxieties. I mean, how often, and maybe within my own home, do I, am I afraid to bring up faith just because I'm, I feel like I'm going to become an overly spiritual person, right? I, I, it's, it's this weird thing that, this, that the devil plants these lies in our, in our minds to try to prevent us from, from sharing the news, from, from walking alongside somebody in the faith. But do I care enough to let my family walk in the faith alone? Do I care enough to, to watch the community around me walk in the faith alone? I mean, there are, there are people who I know in Zealand here who do not believe in Jesus. I, it was been a couple years now, but I'm pretty sure the last time I, I saw some spiritual statistics about Zealand, it said something like 40% of Zealand does not have a church home. Does that upset us? I mean, like, do we care enough where we say, that breaks my heart, that there are people out there who either don't know Jesus or who are new believers and they have nobody to walk in faith with. And so I find myself here this morning being convicted of this fact, thinking about that. Do, do I care enough? Do I have the same passion that Paul has that, that he just so desperately wants to return back to Thessalonica so that he can encourage them and support them? And maybe we often even too, we look to the community around us and, and we just kind of say, well, they know where we are. Right? We're, we're on the east side of Zealand. We're, we're here in this place. When, when they're ready, they can come to us. Right? That the assumption is, is that everyone will just walk into these doors when, when they're ready to, to engage in faith. But at one point in our lives, we were all the lost sheep. Right? The, the sheep that had wandered away. And, and Jesus, as our good shepherd, he didn't just stand back and say, they'll come back eventually. No, he ran after them. He, he pursued them. He, he left the others to, to go and, and to pick them up, put them on in their, his shoulders and walk them back into the flock. Jesus pursued them. He, he went after them, right? Is that our passion to say, I'm gonna go out of this place to, to go and search for those who are looking for somebody to help walk this spiritual life with them? I don't want them to walk it by themselves. I don't want them to have to, to go through all of the questions by themselves. Now, this doesn't mean that we're going to have all of the answers. It doesn't mean that we're going to be able to do it perfectly all the time, but it's just this desire where we say, I am I'm convicted where I, I have to go out because I, I don't want them to have to journey alone. And maybe this even needs to happen within this body of believers as well. It does amaze me how easy it is to come into church, to worship, to have all of these maybe things going on in our lives, and, and, and yet then we just, we, we walk out and 
either we never invited somebody in or nobody asked about it. And, and so we find ourselves even surrounded by all sorts of other believers, and yet we still feel like we have to go through this spiritual journey alone. So I think it's easy to approach church sometimes with this consumeristic mentality, right? I'm going to come, I'm going to get out of it what I want to get out of it, right? I, I hope that it's a, a good moment for me and, and that I can just get what I need and then I'll be on my way. Now, I do hope that you, you are gaining something and receiving something. I hope that when you're in this space that you are experiencing God's love and his grace and, and that he is moving you and, and transforming your life. But maybe part of the question is, God, how can I come into this space to encourage and to strengthen others in their faith? To walk with them in their lives that no matter where they are in their faith journey, whether they have never heard Jesus' name before or they've, they've been a believer their entire life, God, how can I walk alongside them? How can I encourage them and strengthen them? And, and how can they do the same to me so that all of us together as a body are being lifted up and supported and encouraged together? And then, then there's the world, right? I think it, it's maybe easy for us to think a little bit about how that might look here in, in, in our families or in the church or in the community because these are the places we see on a daily basis. But but then there's the world. There are lots of places in this world that have never heard Jesus' name. There are lots of places that, that we need to go and, and continue to share the good news, to share the gospel message and, and speak about who Jesus is so that they, can, they too can be strengthened and encouraged in their faith. So I found myself convicted this week because I know the answer to that question, do I care enough, is not always yes. I know that I don't always care enough. And some of that is, is maybe because I feel like I don't have the energy to care enough. Maybe it's because I am just worried about my own time, my own schedules. That's why I am convicted, and, and I know that I have to lay that before Christ. To go to him today and just say, say, God, I, I confess that to you. And I pray for your forgiveness. Because I know that there are people who I have left behind. But I pray that you will now change my heart. Right? Give me the eyes to see those around me and allow me to step into their lives. Allow me to invite other people into my life so that we can encourage and strengthen each other. I pray that, I, that God would give me a heart that cares for each of his children as much as he does. Now, maybe you're hearing me say this and, and you're thinking, okay, there's the world, right? How, how are we going to reach the world, let alone, or, or, and then Zealand and then our own family? Like that, that is a tall task. And, and as much as I, I wish I could just say that I can go and, and convert and support this whole world all by myself, I know that there are limitations on my life. And, and so I can't, there's no way that it's possible for me to reach everyone by myself. 
And I think it's good for us to acknowledge those limitations. And I think that's actually what Paul is doing in our text here today as well, right? Paul, he says, I wanted to get to you so badly and, and I know that I couldn't. And so, so what I did is I just made sure that somebody was going to you. Right? And so Paul sends Timothy to the church in Thessalonica. He says, I'm going to send him to, to encourage and support you. And, and that Timothy is actually sent to supply what is lacking in their faith. And I think this then has to be music to Paul's ears as, as he actually hears this report back from Timothy saying, these believers that you left behind, they are thriving. Right? They are not giving in to the opposition, but they, have, they are holding on to this message, right? And, and that comes back and that encourages Paul. And, and so he's so grateful for that as well too. And, and I think that that's what we find. That as we are in community with others, as we seek to reach out to support and encourage them, that they actually encourage us as well. And that, that gives us energy and life to continue with this mission of, of going out and sharing the good news. I think it's a beautiful part of the church, right? We're called a body of believers and, and that's not limited to these walls. It's not limited to when we are in this space. I mean, we, we can love and support each other when we gather around a meal. We can love and support each other when, when, when we meet in, in Bible studies or when we volunteer together or when we get into the community together. We get to love and encourage and support one another. And we get to participate as a part of the global church. And I'm not just talking Bethel and Restoration. I'm talking the, the big C church, the, the all of believers across the world, right? That they get to re, uh, reach and influence places that we can't reach and influence ourselves. And so we praise the fact that, that God is at work in, in places that are beyond our own limitations. Right? Well, that we can be believers who acknowledge that we are sinners who have experienced God's grace. I mean, I know it's true for my own life that I have not lived up to the standard that God has for me that I fail him time and time again. And, and maybe kind of like Paul, there are moments in my life where, where I've actually done things that have prevented the gospel from moving. But I'm so grateful that Christ was willing to go to the cross with me in mind. That he was willing to go to the cross and say, I will take all of that upon myself. All of those mistakes, all of those sins, I pay for them all. And so Jesus shed his own blood and let it wash over me so that I could be as pure as pure could be in God's eyes. That's what Christ has done for each of us. Right, he is the one who has, who has, through his own death and resurrection, invited us into a new life, a better life with him. And, and now he invites us to share that with those around us. And so, a part of this, right? I mean, in the areas which we can't reach, we send missionaries. Mark Dahan from Bethel is about to go to Ecuador here in, in a few weeks, right? That's 
he is going to an area that we can't specifically reach ourselves, and he's going to go, and, and we just pray that he might be a Timothy for us to, to strengthen and encourage any believers that are in that area. John and Rick, you're headed to Uganda soon, right? That we pray that you are our are, are Timothys out in that area. You are there to, to strengthen and encourage any, any new believers, any young believers or lifelong believers there in that area. We praise God for local ministries like the Bridge Family Life Center. Right? Those are organizations that we partner with so that they can continue to have an influence and, and walk and journey with others so that they can be strengthened and encouraged in their faith. Maybe the goal as we think about it is just what's our circle of influence? What are the people that we come in contact with? How can we then walk alongside them to, to strengthen them and encourage them in the faith? How can we allow God to work through our own hearts enough so that we, we can say that we do care enough, that we don't want them to be left behind, but that we want to journey with them? And that we need others to journey with us, to strengthen us and encourage us in the faith. And in all of that, knowing that there is going to be opposition, it's not always going to go as easily as we'd like it to go. There are going to be times in which we are going to suffer in, in different ways, or we're going to be prevented from, from doing it in, through different things. And, and so then I, I love verse 11. I think this is then our prayer, right? That, that may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. I think that's our prayer. God, will you clear the way? Right, that we, we know that the power of God is greater than the power of the devil. And, and so we proclaim his authority and we say, God, Jesus, open the way for us. Create the space so that we can go and journey with others to strengthen them and encourage them. And so that all of us are coming together as a body of believers and so that it all might be done for your glory. Because God, we want every knee to bow and every tongue to confess that you are Lord and Savior. And so if I had to summarize all of this into one word, which is a challenge nobody gave me, but I'm doing anyway, <laughs> it would be discipleship. How can we be people that are making more and better disciples? People who are journeying with others in the faith so that they can be strengthened and encouraged how are we reaching the lost? How can we be disciples of Jesus who make disciples? I wish it was always an easy answer and we could just say this is what we had to do and we'd be done with it, right? But so we continue to invite God into the process. We, say, we ask for, for wisdom and discernment and we pray that Jesus opens the way so that we can follow through and watch that it all be done for his glory. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord and Savior, Lord, we acknowledge that, that we don't always care enough. 
And so God, we, we just, we leave that before you. We, we, we confess that to you. We ask for your forgiveness in, in those moments. And, and we pray that you just work in our hearts. Allow us to, to experience all of that grace and that love that you have for us and, and help us to then go, right? To, to run after others as you have run after us come alongside others and say, I just want to strengthen you. I want to encourage you in the faith. I want to walk with you in this so that you are not walking through this alone. Because God, we don't want anyone to be left behind in the faith. We, we want them all to, to know that, that we journey in this together so that we can come together to worship you and to give you praise for all of who you are, for all of that, what you've done for us. And so God, I pray that, that you'd cast the devil away from us too. Lord, he is not welcome in this space. He's not welcome in our lives. And so we pray that you would just, in your name, Lord, that you would move him away from us and, and just give us then the, the, the vision to be able to walk towards you in every step of the way. God, help us to be disciples that make disciples for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.